Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com All year the ship had been trapped, ice pushing and pinching the hull, the wood howling in protest. Finally, on October 27, 1915, a new wave of pressure rippled across the ice, lifting the ship's stern and tearing off its rudder and its keel. Freezing water began to rush in. She's going, boys, came the cry. It's time to get off. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. What's up, everybody? I'm Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. We would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So, Coda, what do you think today's topic is about? Well, a ship. Yes. Uh, presumably, presumably, unless it's a metaphor, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, the ship is this world, and we're trying to go to Mars. So, but actually, I found it a little interesting how you were like the captain or whoever was like, it's time to get off, boys, but you said it in a positive way, so it's <laughs> like, like... I feel like you'd be like, it's time to get off. Well, Let's leave this motherfucker behind. See, but you are the actor in the family. I just say things. That's true. You were siblings. <laughs> <laughs> we are still a family just being married. And being siblings. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's supposed to know that. <laughs> Shit, sh- cut this out. Cut this out. <laughs> so actually, today's episode is about the journey and eventual rescue slash sinking of the ship the endurance and her crew the endurance yes it and ran i ran out of an endurance it did <laughs> and i just need to make a quick uh non-plagiarism situation i didn't write that intro i found it on history.com and i was like this is perfect i don't want to write an intro so i'm just going to borrow that borrow that so uh that's from mm. history.com interesting cheater yep well no because i just cited it so oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so can i put like in our show notes, can I just put like a like? Can I put Avatar, just the whole movie, in our, in our show notes, and then just say like, "Oh, I just got this from James Cameron." <laughs> no. I don't know how. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how documenting stuff works. So. No, that won't work. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, what's your golden nugget? Yeah, this is a weird one for me. So, uh, it's I'm going to start with a quick golden nugget and then go into lump of coal. Yeah. So my. Golden nugget, I guess, is that uh, I'm no longer a goddamn hippie. I got my oh. <laughs> I got my haircut, oh. uh, so you know I uh, uh, decently short, but like swept back. It's like it's, '90s boy band. I love it. It's super hot. Nice. So yeah, so that's cool. Um, it was just getting to the point where I needed to get rid of it. You don't it was, like things touching your face. No, it was getting too long and always in my face, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. So. 
It was a good two and a half years, but it was time to Yeah, it's a long time. Time for me to uh, get off. (laughs) That sounds sexual. (laughs) Um, So, but I guess I'll just talk about my um, love of coal just to keep people in in the loop. We're going to get real here, guys. We're going to get real. This this might be a weird episode for me just because I'm like, um, uh, I have, I deal with depression. And it's as many do. And uh, today, I haven't felt this in a long time, but I uh, just feel a sinking, impending doom sort mm-hmm. of situation where I'm like, what's the point of existing? And, you know, we do the same thing every day in and out. We just go to work, come home. I, I, I'm at work all day. I come home, I go to sleep. I get up and I go to work the next day. Mm-hmm. And then... It just repeats, and it's an endless loop, and I don't know what to do with that information, with or with that thought. It's not a thought I always have, but right now I'm just like, what's the point of anything? Um, so, yeah, it's a weird place to be in. So, sorry if I bring down the mood this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so for our listeners, just so that they're aware, Coda and I do talk about... Um, what might be causing these feelings. Uh, So we maybe have identified that uh, he struggles a lot with seeing social media. And so since he runs the socials, that often affects him more. Yeah, yeah. I really struggle with seeing people, you know, say online and stuff like that uh, who are, like, doing really successful and stuff like that. Like, and it's this weird jealousy thing, and I don't know how to get rid of it other than just get rid of social media because so i see a post online that's just a picture of a person and then with a caption like sunny days ahead or something lame like that sorry if you've ever done that but (laughs) you know not a great caption and then um you know i could post something that's like a really fucking good joke you know i like I i do some bangers and like I pride myself on my really good captions um, and, you know, then get like a couple likes, which is, you know, should be whatever. But, you know, it it does it affects my my brain and the Internet isn't a great place for me with my mm-hmm. mental health. So, uh, yeah, I deleted all the uh, all the social media apps on my phone this morning. And the only reason I have them on my phone in the first place is for this podcast. Yeah. So. I'm going to try to just kind of do it from my computer once a week because I only check my personal Instagram like once a week anyways on my computer. So we'll see if that helps. But, you know, just, uh, yeah, not a, not a, not a great day. So existential dread is really hard. Yeah. So let's, we'll see if we can cheer me up with some like history, which is like your least favorite thing. Yeah. Well, I was going to say with some, like, talks of boat crashes, because, you know, I love those. You know, I love love I love I me some NASCAR crashes, and I love me some boat crashes. Yep, that's the one. Yep. So, what is your golden nugget, darling? Well, yeah, so I got a new car. Yes, it's very uh, sexy. It is really sexy. So, I went with the Buick Envision, and it's not your grandmother's car anymore. <laughs> so, Buick... This ha- isn't your grandmother's car. Buicks have a reputation of being, like, an old person's car, but they've recognized that and they want to get into the youthful market Mm. so their suv line they've really revamped it so it's like a nice looking car like it doesn't look like an old grandma sedan it's got a 
like buttload of cool technology in it. Um, very reasonably priced. They're priced aggressively to compete with other SUVs. And uh, this one gets 30 miles per gallon. So less car payments than what I was paying on the truck. And hopefully the gas will be cheaper. Yeah. It's got heated seats even in the back seat, which yeah. is cool. We put on, you put them on for Jasper, our dog, yeah. <laughs> last night. Uh, it's got one of those uh, to open the hatch. You've got like the put your foot under it. Yeah. Uh, what else does it have? It's got cameras all it's the way around wi-fi it. It's a Wi-Fi spot for yeah, itself. It's, yeah, it's got fucking <laughs> Wi-Fi. Like... So if anybody wants to come in and use the Wi-Fi in my car, they can. Her name's yeah. Myrtle, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, uh, the day she was getting the car, I decided to uh, clean my car for the first time in forever. <laughs> he was feeling inadequate. Apparently, I felt inadequate. I was like, <laughs> oh, her her car's much bigger than mine. <laughs> It's gonna it's gonna please her a lot more than mine's gonna please me. <laughs> yeah, but I think it'll be good. Good, like so. Yeah. I was feeling really stressed out with the house payments and the car payments that I was having to make, mm-hmm. which is like silly because I have a lot of money left over each month. Yeah. But I just I don't know feel a feeling of lack for whatever reason. Um, but with this, I'm saving about two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars a month, which is killer. Yeah, yeah, so. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very good vehicle. Yeah. Right. Okie dokie, Dakota. Don't call me Dakota. A person in high school used to call me that, oh. and I hated it. <laughs> yeah, but it rhymes. Okie dokie, Dakota. Call me Dakota again. That'll be your head. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. No, um, straight to the moon, Elizabeth. Okay. Only our um fans from the '60s will know that reference. <laughs> it's the uh honeymooners. Yes. It's a great show. It's about beating your wife, apparently. Apparently, so. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard, but recently there was a big historical discovery, so big that perhaps it is on par with the discovery of the Titanic. What? No? You hadn't heard? What is that in your script? You read it like you were reading it. Yeah, I, it is in my script. What if I had heard? I really, were you I, still going to be able to say, what? No? You hadn't heard? Well, yeah, that tracks that I would have read what I had written, because yeah. that's how I do things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well lucky for you i haven't heard okay well that's not surprising seeing as we are what are you trying to say seeing as we are living through a pandemic and perhaps the start of world war three i have heard of that yeah but fear not i'm here to tell you all about this discovery and the story of an explorer by the name of sir ernest shackleton and the sinking of his ship the endurance ernest ernest shackleton Mm mm-hmm the sinking of a ship. He was really excited to get off of it. Yeah. Get off, boys. Get off. <laughs> this is gonna be your line for the whole whole show, hey? Yeah, he's just. <laughs> this is a terrible. This is terrible. Make but it. He's you're really sad today. Yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm sad. So I. I get away with making these terrible jokes today. <laughs> so he's. He's just really into his his boys not his boys that sounds worse his crew getting off yeah. he's just like really into masturbation That's... and just like what it can do for the human body yeah so get off boys get off and they're just like <laughs> they're just like doing it but they're like i don't i don't like our new boss <laughs> begrudgingly masturbating in front of him stop it oh uh, okay. yeah i'm mm-hmm. sad i have to get away with that today so truthfully, some of the history folks that I follow online, because I, I follow history people online. So that sounds great. Cool. Uh, they were getting pretty hype about this discovery, and I didn't know much about it. So I did some digging and found out the story to be pretty amazing. So which is why I'm going to tell you it today. 
So the Endurance was a three-masted Barquentine, which is a ship that looks like one of those old-timey ships you imagine pirates to be on. Oh. That was sailed by Sir Ernest Shackleton and his crew of 27 men who sailed for the Antarctic in 1914. Shackleton's goal was to reach the South Pole and to establish a base on Antarctica's Weddell Sea coast. Weddell Sea coast? Weddell. Maybe it's Weddell. Oh, that's the name of it. Yeah. Okay. In fact, Shackleton had attempted this journey and fallen short twice before. From the Weddell Sea coast, a small party, including himself, was set out on the first crossing of the continent, ultimately arriving at the Ross Sea, south of New Zealand, where another Mm. group would be waiting for them, having laid depots of food and fuel along the way. You know with him trying twice before you know getting off doesn't work every single time <laughs> it's true the endurance was built in norway under a master ship builder who insisted that all those in his employment were not just skilled shipmakers, but also experienced in seafaring aboard whaling or sealing ships every detail of her construction had been meticulously planned in order to ensure maximum durability she was launched on december 17th 1912 and was originally christened the Polaris after the North Star. Her original purpose was to provide luxurious accommodation for small tourist and hunting parties in the Arctic as an ice-capable steam yacht. At the time of her launch, she was arguably the strongest wooden ship ever built. But due to financial struggles, the original partnership fell apart and the ship went up for sale. Explorer Ernest Shackleton bought her for £14,000, which is less than what my car costs. What? (laughs) We could have bought a ship. Ah. Well, ship. (laughs) And this represented a significant loss for the builder. After this purchase, Shackleton rechristened her the Endurance after the Shackleton family motto. Sorry, go back a little bit. This, there was a loss, like as in he sold it for less than, like he lost cost. Why did he sell it for that much then? Um, Because they're partnership. So I don't, I didn't name the two people who were building it beforehand. Yeah. Because it just gets really convoluted. But the two people who were building it um one of them like went into bankruptcy or something Mm. and so then the other guy had to sell it but like couldn't get it for what it was worth because the first guy was gonna like market it differently so okay anyways continue yeah so uh he christened her the endurance after the shackleton family motto which is fortitude vincimus by endurance we conquer so what would our family motto be (laughs) um what would our family motto be? Uh, uh, smack dad ass. <laughs> I don't know. That's not the first thing that came to mind. I was thinking about a joke about what his motto would be. So I'm just going to use that for our family motto. Our <laughs> our family uh, our family motto is smack dad ass. Get off. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's going on our uh, your tombstone. <laughs> you're gonna. You're, you're older than me, so, you know. It's true. I will have death no is coming, say. Death is coming for you sooner. Shh. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> uh. So, the Endurance began her journey to pick up crew on August 1st, 1914, which incidentally was the same day that Germany declared war on Russia in World War I. Oh. Now, to find the crew for the Endurance, Shackleton reportedly placed an adver- advertisement in the Times reading, Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, Long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful. Honor and recognition in case of success. In small font, we'll have to masturbate in front of, <laughs> in front of the captain. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you probably wouldn't be going on this journey. It, it's, instead of the, yeah, instead of the, um, 
What, because you don't think I can masturbate in front of the captain? The captain? <laughs> no, because it's bitter cold. Oh, okay. Constant danger. Instead of saying, here, I got one more masturbation joke, and then okay. I'll, I'll lay it to bed. I'll lay it to bed, okay? Um, instead of it saying, masturbators need not apply, it would say, masturbators please apply. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. I'm done with masturbation jokes, wow. okay? Or am I? We'll, we'll see. see. Embarking on her maiden voyage, Endurance sailed from Plymouth, England on August 6th, 1914, and set a course for Buenos Aires, Argentina, under the command of Captain Worsley. Many people did not think that the Endurance would be successful, commenting that the ice fields of the Antarctic were too dangerous, despite the ship being built for exactly that purpose. The ship's goal? To reach the Weddell Sea, a place as pristine as it is perilous. At more than 1.8 million square miles and home to over 14,000 species of animal, including significant populations of whales, penguins, and seals, the remote frozen landscape off the Antarctica is one of the most beautiful and scientifically important ecosystems on the planet. So the Endurance continued her journey towards the frozen tundra and entered the southern regions of the Weddell Sea on December 7th. There she encountered polar pack ice and progress slowed to a crawl. Pack ice, also known as drift ice or brash ice, is sea ice that is not attached to a shoreline or any other fixed object. Unlike ice that is fastened to land or other objects, drift ice is carried along by winds and sea currents, and when driven together into a large single mass, it becomes pack ice. For weeks, Endurance worked her way through the pack, averaging less than 50 kilometers a day. By January 15, 1915, Endurance was within 320 kilometers of her destination, Vassell Bay. So that'll take them almost a week to get there? Yeah. Okay. The good news didn't last long, however. By the, the, f- the good news is that it would take them a week? That's that a they were almost time. there. That they were almost there. <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> By the following morning, heaving pack ice was sighted, and in the afternoon, a gale developed. Under these conditions, it was soon evident that more progress could not be made. A gale? Like a big windstorm. Oh, okay. Endurance took shelter under the lee of a large grounded iceberg. During the next two days, Endurance moved back and forth under the sheltering protection of the berg, and on the 18th, the gale began to dissipate, and the Endurance set the topsail with the engine at slow. Luckily, the pack ice had blown away, and progress was once again gained, until hours later, when she encountered more ice. No. Okay. (laughs) It was decided to (laughs) move forward and work through the pack, and at 5 p.m., Endurance entered the new pack of ice. No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know why you found that so funny. I don't know. <laughs> this ice, however, was different from what had been encountered before, and the ship was... This one had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and the ship was soon amongst thick but soft brash ice, causing a familiar problem. The gale, which hadn't gone away completely, increased in intensity and kept blowing for another six days. By January 24th, the wind had completely compressed the ice in the Weddell Sea against the land, leaving the Endurance stuck in the ice for as far as the ice could see in every direction. As far as the ice could see? (laughs) Is that a joke you wrote? Maybe. I don't know. Did I mean I? No, no, but like, because typically it'd be uh, as far as the eye could see, but you wrote as far as the ice could see. Was that a Freudian slip? Did I do that by accident? I don't know. It says I ice. Wi- uh, to be fair, I wish you had wrote, written that as a stupid <laughs> joke, because that's a stupid joke, and it's funny. So Yes, it was a joke. It was a joke, not a, <laughs> not a Freudian slip. Oh, dear. 
All that could be done was to wait and hope for a gale blowing in the opposite direction to come and decompress the ice, which had squished, squished itself up and around the endurance. They had been within a day's sailing of their landing place, and now the drift of ice was slowly pushing them further away with each passing day. There was nothing else to do but establish a routine and wait out the winter, because they're frozen into the ice. No! <laughs> I decided to try it again to see if you would laugh again. Apparently you did. <laughs> Shackleton decided that the consumption of coal and mound power and the risk of damage to the ship was too great and called for a halt of the escape activities. So the Wikipedia page for this is literally just pages and pages of like what they did each day to try and get out of the ice oh you're not doing that no no so i tried to compress it all so they had spent many days trying to escape but then shackleton was like nah fam this is too much we're just gonna hang out we're just gonna get off instead (laughs) no they're living on it still oh stop getting off over there we're not i you will not get off until i say you get off sorry (laughs) listeners i lied there's another masturbation joke (laughs) The boilers were extinguished, allowing the ship to drift with the ice until it hopefully released naturally. One of the ship's surgeons wrote the following about Shackleton. He did not rage at all or show outwardly the slightest sign of disappointment. He told us simply and calmly that we must winter in the pack, explained its dangers and possibilities, never lost his optimism, and prepared for winter. In private, however, he revealed greater foreboding, quietly expressing to the ship's captain, Frank Worsley, one winter's night that, quote, the ship can't live in this, Skipper. It may be a few months, and it may only be a question of weeks, even days, but what the ice gets, the ice keeps. Oh, damn. And and his crew would often hear from his cabin sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? All these guys are going to die. <laughs> At least I can offer them the chance to get off one last time. During their time in the pack, the Endurance experienced gales, blizzards, and continual drift further and further away from her destination. She also had to contend with pressure waves. So that's like when the waves come up, but they don't break through the ice. So like you'd go up and come back down, but you're still just like on the ice. Mm -hmm. On August 1st, one such wave passed through the flow holding the ship, lifting the 400-ton Endurance fully upwards, causing her to tilt dangerously to the side before she dropped back into a pool of water afloat again for the first time in nearly six months. The broken sections of the ice flow closed in around the ship on all sides, jarring the Endurance forward, backwards, and sideways in a violent fashion up against the other slabs of ice. After 15 minutes of this jarring and banging, a huge force from the back pushed the whole bow of the ship up onto the flow, lifting the hull out of the pool and causing her again to list to the side. She remained battered overnight by a huge gale that actually forced a sheet of ice upwards towards the top of the ship. However, despite this ordeal, she remained undamaged. Whoa. Yes. That's a strong ship. Yeah. The Endurance Endured. That one I did write. Yeah, that one did do it. Mm. didn't do it for me. <laughs> endured at least three more pressure waves, one that eventually caused her hull and timbers to creak and shudder continuously as the ice moved and broke around the ship, battering her port side. Another large flow was swept up against her port bow, as carpenter Harry McNish noted that the solid oak beams supporting the upper deck were being visibly bent like a piece of cane. Despite these terrifying signs, the strength of the ship's structure was noted, as it was causing the ice itself to break up as it piled against the hull. Quote, 
Just as it appears she can stand no more, the huge flow, weighing possibly a million tons or more, yields to our little ship by cracking across and so relieves the pressure. The behavior of our ship in the ice has been magnificent. Undoubtedly, she is the finest little wooden vessel ever built. However, her strength would not last forever. What? No! No! (laughs) In the time that passed between abandoning endurance and watching the ice swallowed up completely, the crew salvaged as many provisions as they could while sacrificing anything and everything that added weight or would consume valuable resources, including Bibles, books, clothing, tools, and keepsakes. And so I hate this next part. Some of the younger dogs who were too small to pull their weight in the sleds were also shot. Oh. As was, much to the crew's distress, Mrs. Chippy, the ship's cat. What? Not Mrs. Chippy? Yeah. So I guess I didn't really, like, I feel like there's a transition missing here. Yeah, yeah. I'm missing something. Yeah. Um, So she's stuck in the ice. They realize that she can't withstand it anymore. So Shackleton's like, hey, we should probably get off the ship. Okay. There's the transition. Because I was like, wait, I was confused because I'm like, wait, now they're just getting off the ship? I thought there was, like, going to be a big announcement, like. It's time you've all been waiting for. Get off! Yeah, so I clearly didn't write that because I do know that it happened. I don't know. This must have been like I took a break and then came back to writing and just missed that whole part. So I'm sorry, listeners. Today, I dropped the ball. Yeah, do do better. Sorry. So now fully on the flow, the crew found that the entire port side of the Endurance had been driven inwards and fully compressed and that ice had entirely filled the bow and stern sections. Only one of the six cabins had not been pierced by the ice. Shackleton wrote that the ship had been crushed concertina fashion, like an accordion. Oh. The, for- the forward motor engine was pushed back into the galley. So as they're on the flow watching this all happen, the ship continued to sink slowly below the ice due to the continual intake of water and ice into her lower belly. Two days after the order to abandon ship, she was submerged all the way to her upper deck. On November 13th, a new pressure wave swept through the pack ice, and the top masts collapsed into the ship as the bow of the Endurance was finally crushed. These moments were recorded on film by the expedition's photographer, Frank Hurley. Then, on the 21st of November, the remaining wreckage was hit by another pressure wave, and within the space of a minute, the stern of the Endurance was lifted clear of the ice as the flows moved together, and then, as the pressure passed and they moved apart, the entire wreck fell into the ocean. The ice surrounding the spot where the Endurance had sunk immediately moved together again, obliterating any trace of the ship. So now the men are trapped on this floating ice flow. Oh. Yeah, so it's not even land. It's just ice. That sucks. Yes. They're going to have to repopulate the Antarctica (laughs) alone. (laughs) They're not going to do very well because they just continually get off. (laughs) And because they're all men. Like there's the there's that too, <laughs> but no, you point to the getting off. You're a pervert. You know that. I was talking about masturbation. Stop it. The initial plan was to march across the ice towards land, but that was abandoned after the men managed just seven and a half miles in seven days. There was no alternative, wrote Shackleton, but to camp once more on the flow and to possess our souls with what patience we could till conditions should appear more favorable for a renewal of the attempt to escape. Slowly and steadily, the ice drifted farther to the north, and on April 7th, 1916, the snow-capped peaks of Clarence and Elephant Islands came into view, flooding the men with hope. So, can you imagine you're just, like, stuck on this ice flow that, like, maybe might break apart and, like might melt and who knows they had boats with them they had little lifeboats with them as well so they were like 
hopefully we can use those for some purpose. But, anyways. In his diary, Shackleton wrote... <laughs> diary? <laughs> what, a, what a nerd. The flow has been a good friend to us, but it is reaching the end of its journey and is liable at any time now to break up. And on April 9th, it did just that, splitting beneath them with a mighty crack. Shackleton gave the order to break camp and launch the smaller boats they had rescued from the ship, and all at once they were finally free from the ice that had both sustained and bedeviled them. Now the group was on the open water, in small life rafts, and were forced to contend with the huge open ocean. It threw freezing spray in their faces and tossed frigid water over them. It battered the boats from side to side and brought brave men to cower in the bottom of the boat as they paddled with the elements and seasickness. Through it all, Captain Worsley navigated through the spray and squalls until after six days at sea, Clarence and Elephant Islands appeared just 30 miles ahead. The men were exhausted. Worsley had by that stage not slept for 80 hours, which is three and a half days. Wow. At that point, you start hallucinating, don't you? Yeah. Some of the men were crippled by seasickness, while others were racked with dysentery. Frank Wilde, Shackleton's second-in-command, wrote that at least half of the party were insane. Oh. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hallucinations. Yeah. Yet, they rode resolutely toward their goal, and on April 15th, they clamored ashore the Elephant Island. However, their troubles were not yet over. No! Landing on Elephant Island was the first time that the crew had been on dry land since leaving South America 497 days previously. Oh, Jesus. That's a long time. Elephant Island, though. Is this some, like, Planet of the Apes shit? No, it's just the name of one of the islands in the Antarctic. Oh, so there aren't talking elephants on this island? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> right. The likelihood of anybody coming across them was minuscule. And so, after nine days of recuperation and preparation, Shackleton, Worsley, and four others set out in one of the lifeboats, the James Caird, to seek help from a whaling station on South Georgia, more than 800 miles away. Again, they were on the open ocean in a tiny lifeboat. For 16 days, they battled monstrous swells and angry winds. They bailed water out of the boat and had to beat ice off the sails. Shackleton wrote, the boat tossed interminably on the big waves under grey, threatening skies. Every surge of the sea was an enemy to be watched and circumvented. And then, even as they were within touching distance of the goal, the elements hurled the worst at them. Quote, the wind simply shrieked as it tore the tops off the waves, down into the valleys, up to tossing heights, straining until her seams opened, swung our little boat. He's very dramatic in his diaries. So sounds like it. Sounds like a drama queen. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, the wind eased off, and they made it ashore. Help was almost at hand, but this, too, was not the end. The storms had pushed the James Caird off course, and they had landed on the other side of the island, away from the whaling station. So they're on the opposite side of the island. Mm -hmm. So, Shackleton, Worsley, and a man named Tom Crean set off to reach the station by foot, by climbing over literal mountains. Oh, sliding down glaciers and forging a path that no human being had ever forged before until after 36 hours of desperate hiking, they staggered into the station. There was no conceivable circumstance under which three strangers could possibly appear out of nowhere and show up at the whaling station, and certainly not from the direction of the mountains. This just like kind of reminds me of the movie It. Or no, The Thing. The Thing. <laughs> okay. Not... I haven't seen The Thing, so... Yeah. They're on a station in like the... South Pole, maybe, or yeah. something. I don't know. And, like, just a random beast shows up. So Yeah. They're, or, it, or it is actually it. They, like, they finally make it to the whaling station. And then there's a clown and goes, 
Hiya, Georgie! (laughs) And yet here they were, their hair and beards stringy and matted, their faces blackened with soot from blubber stoves and creased from nearly two years of stress and being alone on an ice floe. An old Norwegian whaler recorded the scene as follows. My manager said, Who the hell are you? And the terrible bearded man in the center of the three said very quietly, My name is Shackleton. Me? I turned away and wept. They call me Shackleton. Ernest Shackleton. (laughs) Get a little uh, Sean Connor in there. (laughs) Once the other three members of the James Caird had been retrieved, because not all of them were able to hike over the mountains. Right. Sissies. (laughs) Attention turned to rescuing the 22 men who remained on Elephant Island. Yet after everything that they had already been through, this final task, in many ways, proved to be the most trying and time-consuming of all. Which I'm like, really? Did it? Anyways. (laughs) The first ship on which Shackleton set out ran dangerously low on fuel while trying to navigate the pack ice and was forced to return to the Falkland Islands. The government of Uruguay then helped with a vessel that came within 100 miles of Elephant Island before it too was beaten back by the ice. On Elephant Island each morning, Frank Wilde, whom Shackleton had left in charge, issued the call for everyone to lash up and stow their belongings, for the boss may come today. However... Nothing? Okay. What? Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm off my game. That that word's a little too dirty for this podcast, though, dear. Got it. That's like, like, this is the relaxing story, not Pornhub, okay? <laughs> Wait, do, you, do you guys see what I have to deal with? This pervert. However, his companions grew increasingly dispirited and doubtful. However, Shackleton procured a third ship, the Yelcho from Chile, and finally on August fucking 30th, 1916, (laughs) the saga of the Endurance and her crew came to an end. The men on the island were settling down to a lunch of boiled seal's backbone when they spied the Yelcho just off the coast. It had been 128 days since the James Caird had left, and within an hour of the Yelcho appearing, all ashore had broken camp and left Elephant Island behind. Twenty months after setting out for the Antarctic, every one of the Endurance crew was alive and safe. Whoa, really? Yeah, isn't that shocking? Yeah. Having survived first being trapped in the ice, then in an open ocean, then being trapped on a frozen island. How did they not end up resorting to cannibalism? Oh, so yeah, I guess I didn't f- mention it. They were eating like seals and Right, so there's lots of... Right, okay, so there's, there's lots of them around. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Good thing they didn't have me on this uh, voyage. I'd be like, be like day, day two of being frozen like in the ice, I'd be like, well, who we eating? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so while Shackleton's crew miraculously made it back to England, his ship did not, obviously. Yeah. And for more than a century, the Endurance remained among history's most elusive shipwrecks. However, just a few weeks ago, an international team of marine archaeologists, explorers, and scientists located the Endurance at the bottom of the Weddell Sea, approximately four miles south of the position originally recorded when Endurance sank. John Shears, the leader of Endurance 22, the expedition team that used submersibles and drones to locate the wooden ship, has stated, quote, We have made polar history with the discovery of Endurance and successfully completed the world's most challenging shipwreck search. Photos show a ship in pristine condition, minus some broken topmasts, including an image of the stern where the name Endurance is clearly visible. Ernest Shackleton never did reach the South Pole or cross Antarctica. 
He did try to launch one more expedition, but the Endurance veterans who joined him noticed that he appeared weaker, shyer, and drained of the spirit that had kept him alive on the flow. Yeah, well, to be honest, I'm I'm impressed that he even tried again. Yeah. Like, that's impressive. Well, third time was not a charm, so I guess fourth time? Yeah. (laughs) On January 5th, 1922, with the new ship at South Georgia, he suffered a heart attack in his bunk and died at the age of just 47. Oh, that's young. With his death, Frank Wilde took the new ship to Antarctica, but it was not up to the task, and after a month of futile attempts to penetrate the pack ice, Wilde set a course for Elephant Island. From the safety of the deck, he and his comrades peered through binoculars at the beach where so many of them had lived in fear and hope, and with that, they turned north one last time and went home. So Dakota, what do you think? Well, I wish that Ernest's diary was more written like a teenage girl's. <laughs> I wish there was some, like, juicy goss mm. in there, you know? I'm like, like you know, just like, um, November 7th. I I think I'm starting to have feelings for Frank Wilde. <laughs> He's just like, he gives me these eyes, and I'm just like, oh, you know? And it's something like that or something about, like, oh, and today Dakota ate someone. <laughs> it was frowned upon, so we shunned him from the group. <laughs> <laughs> and now i'm out there just in the in, in antarctic uh, like i'm like uh, fucking bigfoot or something like that <laughs> yeah that's yeah, me that's so fun. so i wish there was some more of that mm-hmm. but uh yeah i thought it was middle of the road interesting mm-hmm. i thought uh um you know surprising like i said that he went a fourth time mm-hmm. like like after because his first and second experience weren't near to this the third levels of badness, mm-hmm. right? But like after the third time, I'd be like, "Well, I'm retiring. <laughs> like yeah. I'm going, or or I'm gonna just go work in a um pig farm or something." That's fair. I don't know. I feel like that's there. There was only two things to do back in the 1915s, which is explore, explore. We're working a pig farm. That's true. <laughs> Those are the yeah. two options. Those are the only two. Either that or you're going to war. So Nah, that is a good point. Yeah. I'm surprised that he and the crew didn't have to go to war. Like, that's the part that I think is interesting. Well, that one of the parts. Yeah, that is interesting. I Yeah, I do wonder about that. But... I just need to make a make a quick point here. Sure. Um, there's something wrong with me, I think. Uh, so oh, I know that. I read all of the Wikipedia pages, like the pages yeah. and pages of everything oh, that like happened God. each day. And I was fascinated. And I, know, I, I I can recognize that that is boring as fuck. And yeah. I don't I don't know why I was so into it. I just I just really was. You like boring shit, apparently. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's something wrong with me. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that sounds terrible. I'm glad you didn't go into depth on that. So my rating. Yeah. I give this one seven hmm. masturbating shipmates out of ten. Not seven masturbating seamen out of ten? Fuck! Fuck! <laughs> Fuck. It's okay. We're sad today. Fuck. <laughs> I'm re. I'm. I'm. I'm taking it back. Seven. How are you quicker on this than me? <laughs> I'm a that pervert. Never, that doesn't. It- yeah. Right. That's right. I'm a good boy. <laughs> You're a sicko. You're sick that you thought of that. But I'm going with it. Seven masturbating seamen <laughs> out of ten. That's so much better. <laughs> Fuck. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. 
If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe, leave a review, or tell your friends about us because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian, on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast, possibly on Twitter at Reluct Historian. We'll see what happens with that. You can leave us a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash the historian or shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to the reluctant historian at gmail.com. We'll see what happens with our socials. I think Liz made a good point today. You know, I think I'm maybe focusing too much on trying to grow the audience further because that's something that I've always, you know, struggled with is wanting to get more people eyes on us or something that I'm doing and maybe I should focus more on just having fun with it and what she sees the socials as is more just to update the people that are already listening you know instead of maybe hashtagging all the Instagram and being like hashtag a couple podcasters or whatever and then getting the spam ones that are like you should promote it on Mm -hmm. blah 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 records or something and it's like fuck off (laughs) fuck off okay so anyways there's my spiel we'll see what happens but i just want to focus on trying to just have fun with it so Mm -hmm. yeah so we'll see you next week same time same place i can't believe i didn't think of semen that's that's the easiest joke of the book And you got it before me. Fuck! (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.